it's a lot easier to treat somebody arm's length when you haven't had an interaction with them. What's shaking? Welcome back to All In. I'm your host, Rick Jordan. Before we even get started, I want you to start thinking about three people that you're going to share this episode with right now, because hopefully you've downloaded at least the past three episodes. We don't promote, we don't take sponsors. This is just bringing value to people. And the only way that we grow to help more people is with your help. So please share this out with three people today. And today you're going to be excited because we're going to talk about sales. We're going to talk about sales processes. We're going to talk about some technology and low code and no code tech, because my guest is a killer at this, driving continued growth on two continents, held various leadership positions and pinpoint and, and Vera is VP of worldwide sales and a CRO. This guy's just a freaking rock star when it comes to this. Andy Zambito, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, thank you so much. What a what a great intro. Really appreciate it. Thanks, my man. Well, I mean, you've got the creds, you know, and I'm excited to talk about you today or talk with you today and about you today because of <laughs> all the amazing things that you've done. And I want to hear insight from you. you okay. Know, I was just reading this morning, man, that uh, around travel going into fourth quarter of this year. Yeah, you know, and I think this was on the Wall Street Journal. I've got a, the, by the way, best subscription I ever got years ago was to the journal. Yeah. You know, just, just the, it's so amazing. This is a, a squirrel, but I've got to hit this. If you, because all my listeners, I talk sure. about this maybe a little while, but if you don't have that subscription, that's like the one, right? Because yeah. it seems so unbiased. How do you feel? Well, I tell you, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I uh, hadn't thought about this in years, but, uh, I remember when I was uh, interning, uh, um, I'm dating myself here because uh, I was starting my career doing a, a little bit of investment finance work and I was at a company called Payne Weber, uh, but uh, working for a senior vice president. And I was, so I was reading the journal every day and I, I found in my closet the other day, I had, I was clipping articles on some things that grabbed my attention. There was a little, these are this little sidebar article on the, on the right hand side. And I clipped it and I wrote it on an envelope to send to my, a good friend of mine, like, hey, I think this is going to be something. And I opened it up and I looked at it. And it was literally an article about this uh, guy from New York who hopped in his car and drove to Seattle and he was going to start this online business. This was about Jeff Bezos and Amazon, pre Amazon. And I was like, so, you know, you, it really kind of, to your point, you you pick up some really interesting things if you if you uh, dig in. Uh, if only uh, you know, if only it was a different lifetime ago. Who knows what I could do? Yeah, for sure, man. <laughs> what I really love about it too. I've never talked about it this depth before. Thanks for indulging me here for yeah. a second too. Because uh, years ago, I was thinking it's like, man, I wish I could have curated news that really, really speaks to me. You know, and then Google Na News came about, and of course, there's Apple News that came after that, and there's yeah. a couple other apps that I, I looked into over time. You know, but all of them seemed so far right-leaning or so far left-leaning. And all I wanted, dude, was just like the straight truth, you know? <laughs> unbiased. And I feel that's what the journal really offers. I love it because I've got the digital and the print edition. The print edition is nice just because sometimes I still like to hold the paper, right? Yeah. The, the physical piece of paper. But the, most of the times, what I really get out of it is I get my, my daily journal in the morning, which is like their top 10 things that's curated based upon my interests. You know, tech, sales, business, all of that. Yeah. It's beautiful. 
Yeah, a lot easier than I guess. I also dated myself when I said I clipped an article. For those who don't know what that is, <laughs> I, I, now to be fair, I don't really touch the paper version that often. Yeah. It's just nice to, to be like, hey, this is the journal, you know? Because absolutely traveling a lot, this will, right on. <laughs> traveling a, a lot as I do too, and this will come full circle to what I started on before yeah. we got on this tangent. Sure, that that's always something. Staying in the hotels that I've stayed, that they've always had there for me too. Yeah. You know, if you're talking the Ritz. Or, uh, you know, higher end four and five star hotels, they, they will have the journal ready there for you. And it's something I always appreciated just being able to, to stay on this. I mean, this is years ago when I started reading this, you know, but going into travel, this was the article and this comes back to sales here. Sure. I was reading going into quarter four that mm -hmm. the only business travel that's really going to be happening that a lot of corporations and all the way down to small businesses are really going to advocate for have to do with sales meaning client yeah. relations or closing the deal. Those are the two things that they called out were client relations and closing the deal. There's not going to be any travel whatsoever. They're going to stick virtual as the travel season dies down here a little bit coming out of the summer just to save costs and also because of the ongoing pandemic that Absolutely. they don't really care about the travel around training <laughs> or <laughs> internal team building activities. It's just to freaking generate revenue is what they're yeah. going to have travel for you know it's nice to see that how are you feeling about this going into q4 well uh, maybe i'm an anomaly in this i mean I, I agree with a number of those things and i'd certainly hate to be in the commercial real estate business right now because oh, so God, many yeah. people are comfortable with that um you know take my scenario though right now so one of my charters coming uh, joining uh Krisha was actually uh, a year ago today and uh, is about building out uh, a team and a whole go-to-market function so I've actually been actively hiring all over the past year and none of these folks have actually met each other. So this week we're finally bringing everybody together and they're, they're meeting. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's, Think about the challenges of building a team culture and unity when it's all new people to a company and none of those people have met each other, let alone other people in the company. So there are some new challenges that are going to pop up. But when it comes to selling, absolutely. Uh, you know, we're on our executive staff meetings. We're talking about the, the big deals we want to do. And one of the questions that comes up is, can you get on site? Like, can you go meet with them? Uh, so, you know, you're... I think the days for now of, of people like doing the entertainment side of sales of let's go to dinners, let's do all that have probably uh, sailed for a while, but the, the desire to be in the room, have those face-to-face -face meetings, you know, develop that, that trust and connection that says, um, you know, when they make these sales, these transactions, they're, they're, they're not, about transactions. You're making a commitment, especially in the enterprise software world, right? It's not something that yeah. you're going to rip and replace. So you're committing, you're voting, they're voting with their careers, with their resources, their checks, their people, their time. And that's a lot to ask of somebody to do on a, on a group of people that they haven't interacted with. Uh, so I'm encouraging it, uh, obviously in a safe way, uh, a safe environment, but the moment that a customer is open to it, we want to jump on that opportunity. I appreciate it. There's two things that I picked out that really stood out to me and what you just said, too. And I started sort of predicting this like six to eight months ago. I mean, you can go back and listen to the past episodes. I've been saying this now because all we went to, I've even had, you know, sales experts on and talked about, you know, how to close the deal over Zoom, you know, and I always play devil devil's advocate, man, because I'm like, there's this thing in sales. Nothing closes like in person. 
Yeah. And, and I'm sure we're going to see this transition. We are now, you know, it was with this article this morning. It's like, I, I kept saying six to eight months. It's like, it's going to go back and people are going to start to appreciate. And the, the one who's going to get the deal is the one who actually shows up, literally well, shows that, up. That's a big part of it, right? I mean, it's just like the first person to respond to a lead, you know, first organization is usually the, the one who wins that. It's the same thing. I mean, what, what's your commitment and involvement? Now, I will say it has developed... Um, this idea of the Zoom culture, and if you uh, if you don't develop the ability to build rapport over that, if you're not somebody who still you know wants to turn on your video, so culturally for us, um, we're. It not only the, the way I run sales teams is we're completely transparent. I want everybody's calendars open. Everybody's meetings are open. Anybody can join. And when you're on a meeting, you're, you're on video because you have to establish this. It used to be, I used to explain to people before these days of, of Zoom and the rest that, you know, it's a lot easier to treat somebody arm's length when you haven't had an interaction with them. But it's very hard now, once I've seen you, I've talked to you, or I've shared a meal with you, broken bread, whatever it is, for me to kind of hang up on you or just kind of dismiss you. Right. I'm much more willing to, okay, I'll take this meeting. I have, a, I, it, it's a different psychological relationship that you form when you've yeah, shaken hands or met somebody face to face or, or sat down at a meal than if they're just somebody. Think about how you interact with a telemarketer versus the person who comes to your front door. You're more willing to hang up the phone than you are to slam the door. Even if it's a half second, you're, you still want to close that door. Uh, now, if it's somebody that you've actually had a dialogue with and seen face to face and you know their name, now it's, it's, you're more engaged. And so, yeah, I, I absolutely agree and encourage the teams to do it. That's awesome. And you also talked about the entertainment side too, and you referenced yeah. it there a little bit again too, you know, broken bread with them and, you know, handshakes, you know, there, there were days of, you know, box seats at the, at the baseball yeah. game, you know, or, <laughs> or right off the glass for a hockey game, you know, or a skybox or something like that. Dude, I've been treated and I have treated <laughs> with those things yeah. many times. I started teaching a while back to everyone that sells for me is saying, you know what, save that stuff. This was a flip flop yeah. that I made, right? Oh, oh a few years ago, save that stuff until the end of the conversation, you know, start, start putting it out there and be like, Hey, once we start doing business together, we're going to celebrate too, you know, yeah. because it, this, people value their time, you know, and what you're saying, I think it brought this concept more to the forefront that I've been coaching on for years, even just in an email or something like that. I'm always like, make your ask first, have the conversation and then keep the pleasantries towards the end. Because in my personal opinion, it shows that you're respecting that person's time from right. a professional perspective and showing them I'm ready to get down to business because the only reason why we're talking in the first place is for business. I'm not looking yeah. for a friend. It'd be awesome <laughs> if that came out of it after we got our business done, you know, to where we develop this close relationship personally. That's cool. But the only reason we're talking to begin with is to make freaking things happen. <laughs> Yeah, this, this was discovered, you know, it came out in a big way probably about 10 or 15 years ago with the evolution of, you know, a lot of folks started talking about like the challenger sale and things of that nature, which was really looking at classifying different sales tactics and patterns of, you know, are you that relationship person and all the rest. And I completely agree with you that the, the, the pace of business uh, has changed. And so people's personal lives, their their dinner hour and all the rest is much more sacred because they, they're jammed through their day. The, uh, you, Thanks, while, yes, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And while, and while while it's important to, you know, people still, you still need to be likable and engaged and people do want to spend more time with those that they, they like. It's not that they buy from somebody they like it. They, they want that they'll engage yeah. you differently, but it's really about, are you bringing value? 
And to your point, so if, if you have to start and end with that and everything else is secondary. Um, and so I, I don't, you know, this is the, the days of these kind of fat expense accounts and going golfing and all the rest. I suppose I was, I was blessed early on that I, I don't really enjoy golfing uh, in that sense. So uh, I didn't spend all my time on the course. I was out there focusing on how to, uh, how to, how to bring value to, to the client. And I don't see that changing, right? I mean, I think I see, you know, there's going to be less, even if you as a salesperson were willing to do all of that and do all the entertaining, the, the customer is not interested, right? They, they don't want to give up their time, as you mentioned, or their, you know, the, during the day, but let alone after hours. Uh, so just focus on delivering value. And then, yes, if you're fortunate enough to have also created a bond, you celebrate over that, but only when you've, you've actually succeeded on the task. Yeah, right on, man. Save that for the end of it. That's really cool, yeah, you know, yeah. and there, there's, there's clients that I've had that I've formed those relationships with over the years, yeah. too, you know, to where they'll even call me and be like, hey, you know, I mean, real call, man. You know, my dad died a few years ago and I don't have anybody to bounce marketing ideas off of. I know you're providing cyber and IT services to me, but would you yeah. mind just stopping by just, you know, have a drink with me just so I can bounce some business ideas off of you? And yeah, I, yeah. This was somebody that was 30 years to my senior at the time too. And I, I mean, I was humbled in that aspect as well, but it, just thinking back around the relationship that was built, but that relationship was built around trust of me freaking delivering value. Exactly. <laughs> and my co company delivering value you day in and day out it always started with business i've i've even vacationed with customers we built such strong relationships and you know visit each other's homes and stayed over and all the rest so yeah it, it uh that, that is a byproduct i think though of, of forming you know genuine relationships where either there, there has to be one of the number one traits for true uh sales success is empathy and uh, it's not something that you can really, you can't really coach empathy. So when I think people used to say somebody is a natural born salesperson, I think that was more of what they were aligning with is realizing and sensing an empathy of that. And if you combine that, obviously, with the ability to add and deliver value, it comes across. I mean, it's genuine. And if you're not genuine, people pick up on that as well. And therefore, you, you have these foundational relationships that, uh, you know, carry the test of time. And, and that's what, you know, being a trusted advisor that folks are always, you know, focused on. I mean, that's what it's really about. Let's let's unpack that a little bit because I love where you're going with this man around the empathetic side of things, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, even my voice just changed, you know, how I got a little bit slower in my rhythm and everything because you're starting to pull up my heart a bit now, dude. And I appreciate <laughs> that because yeah. when I walk into a room, you know, an initial conversation, you know, and now it's shifted because, uh, you know, I don't sell our services anymore, really. I might get involved here and there, but now it's more selling myself because I'm in an acquisition mode, companies going public. And it's walking and saying, hey, I, I want to be able to provide a good home for your people, for your customers, and maybe even for you if it's something you want to stick on board with for a while, too. You know, so in the acquisition space, I, I started really looking at this, and it's no different than what you're saying. The, the empathy in, in a sales transaction, too, is really kind of meeting that person where they're at. Mm -hmm. There's a reason, and I always hated this question, man, it, what, that any sales coach would ask. It's like the first thing you go in is, why'd you take this meeting today? You know, it's like, <laughs> shouldn't you already know that before you're even walking through the door? If you did yeah. some homework, if you asked some initial questions, like really caring, empathetic questions, you should know the answer to that right away. You know, the, what? I'm sure you train similarly to this, right? Yeah. You know, but, but how do you, you saying you can't coach empathy, right? Well, <laughs> yeah, it's, there's a couple parts to this, right? So um, empathy, you can, you can certainly help somebody 
uh, work on how they communicate their empathy better. But it's uh, it's just kind of like um, if you're not, I, I can't t- uh, coach you know you to be uh, intellectually curious or introspective or a couple of these things. So therefore, I have to interview and I make those prime characteristics on the soft skill side that, that I look for. But to your point about the, you know, uh, I think a lot of sales trainers, they, they focus lately on this concept of start with why, uh, but there are different why questions that you can get to uh, that, that demonstrate. I'm so done with that question. <laughs> uh, but they, they have to refocus it, right? I mean, yeah. so, okay, so obviously it was important that you sat down to take this meeting, but the empathetic side is, well, let's understand what, you know, what was driving that and get behind it. It's like my first interview question when I'm interviewing a candidate, you know, obviously they, they want to be in this meeting or they wouldn't have taken the meeting. Uh, so my question, my, my why question for that is, you know, why was now the right time for you to consider making a change? So, you know, look, I'm happy that we're having a chance to talk today and I'm really excited and we want to hire and all the rest, but why, why is now the right time? And, and, you know, why are we, of all the places you could spend your time, why was this the one that you wanted to spend is now getting to them to, to reveal much more of their kind of inner thought process, which is super important, right? So on a sales side, in that meeting, I mean, I would, I would coach the person. Yes. Okay. Why was it important? Well, you, you want to get behind that, you know, um, understand wh- why is this of all the priorities you could be dealing with? You know, why is this top of mind? You know, what does it mean to you to resolve this? And, and you really start unpacking uh, that way. Uh, the other one was, is just being a little too, uh, I suppose, confrontational with you on, on, you know, now you're already setting you off emotionally. And if they, if they weren't empathetic, they don't pick up on the fact that they've just frustrated the hell out of you. Right. If they, <laughs> if they are they'll quickly <laughs> recover, if they can read the room at all. Dude, that's awesome. I love how you're, you're dancing around this too, because, you're, the empathetic questions are tapping into the emotions of this individual. Yeah. Because uh, it's a very, any sort of major shift. I mean, even if it's, you know, enterprise software that someone's using, I mean, that's something that's a pretty major shift in any corporation. If you're Absolutely. looking to, to move from one system to another, I know because my firm's going through it right now, you know, <laughs> and I've got good people that are managing this project, but it's a big shift. It's uh, unpacking all the processes and procedures you've done over years and years. And then the effort, the the immense effort that's involved in this undertaking, there's got to be a reason in order to make that shift. And you know what? It could even be, it doesn't even have to be a negative reason. And that's a a lot of, you know, now granted sales meetings, you know, prospects can come a lot of times, maybe even the majority of times I would argue because they're frustrated with where they're at right now. There's something wrong, right? But imagine it's like the empathy, you're able to flip that around and saying, hey, what do you want to create? You know, if this is the right time, what does it look like going forward for you? You know, rather than focusing on the stupid, I I hate negative selling, man, I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, you're onto it though, right? right, So, so with that, with an interview question, what you're really, what I'm looking, one of the things I'm looking for in those early questions is I I want somebody who's running towards something, not running away from something, because if they're running away from a bad situation, they'll take any job, they'll take any safe ground, as opposed to somebody who actually is passionate about about what you're doing. When you're dealing with the, the company situation, like, like you're talking about. I think the other side of this is even if you're empathetic, the, the reps tend to be um, 
they're in their own heads a lot uh, emotionally too. And so they want to hear that self-affirmation throughout the meeting. And they're going to be asking you all of these yes questions, right? Like they, they want to get a yes from you. Did you like what you saw? Did this solve your needs? All these things. They don't understand though that that's, and then they walk away hearing all these yeses and they think we've got this as opposed to realizing that, well, you could have said yes to the next guy in the room as well. I mean, yes, we all can solve your challenges. We all, you liked everything we saw and that's not how you're going to base your decision. So you have to not only take that, the, the empathetic questioning, but flip it around and actually be looking for the no, right? Not the yeses. So you know, help me understand, given what we've shown you, you know, why wouldn't you, uh, what would stop you from selecting us as your solution of choice for whatever that problem you were solving was? And that will force them to think through, why would I say no? And then actually tell you something that's real. And it's not selling until they say no. Otherwise, it's order taking. You can stand behind a register and do that. I mean, so the idea is to find the objections and, and manage that. The worst place for a salesperson to be in is when they're hearing yes to everything, no objections. Now they have no strategy and no play. And they're just hope. And hope's not the strategy. Right? You have no freaking information. <laughs> you don't right. even have yeah. pain points if all you're getting is yeses. You, so you why, would, why wouldn't you be doing this? Why, aren't, why wouldn't you be comfortable? What would stop you from me? Why, why would, you know, and, and when you get into that, now all of a sudden you, you You've opened up and you've learned more than anybody else will learn to. Yeah, I, I've I've never really liked the typical presentation phase of a sales <laughs> process either. I feel you and I are of like minds here a little bit Good. because, right? Because it's like the presentation phase. You walk in, it's like, here's the picture that I'm painting for you, right? Yeah. Rather than saying, here's the brush. I'm going to give you the brush. Can you paint me what that picture looks like? And then I'm just going to sit back and watch. I'm going to watch yeah. the different strokes that you make, how, how your timing is. I'm going to watch where you go from one color to the next on this canvas. I know it's a huge metaphor, but you have to, in sales, you have to hand the brush of that painting over to your prospect and let sure. them paint that picture for you. Well, what you, you, there's another aspect of this, which I think probably causes some of your frustration, which is this is one of the biggest challenges that I have to uh, try, I try to train folks on is um, when you've walked in the room, you're going to give that presentation. Uh, in today's buying age, you as the, as the buyer have already done a ton of education of yourself. You may have done miseducation. You may have gotten bad data and all the rest, but you've created a set of biases and perception and, and your kind of worldview. If I come in and I try to put my whole thing on the wall, I used to equate it to this. Like I'm coming, the rep comes in and there's all these like coat hooks on the wall and each, each of my big arguments is a coat and I'm hanging it on the hook and I'm like one after the other. And I'm like, isn't this beautiful at the end? And, and, uh, and you're looking at me like, no, and, and, and all the coat are laying on the floor. It's because the, those hooks weren't there. I imagined that you and I were on the same page and had the same understanding of the problem of the universe and worldview. And then I've come in and I've just hung them up. So the first thing I have to do is to your point is understand where your hooks are, unbolt those biases, get agreement on the universe that we're playing in before I can even make my argument to have it land. Otherwise, I'm going to walk out of there and deliver my perfect pitch, as you said, every time as if it's routine and rote, and I'm going to walk away and not understand why you kind of looked at me sideways at the end and nothing landed, right? And my punches are missing because you're not standing in front of me. So to your point, whether it's having you paint first or uh, getting an understanding, if we don't agree on what the problem set even is, uh, and we're uh, agreeing on a sort of baseline instead of the universe, it won't matter if I come in and deliver my pitch perfectly.
Right. I'm not, it's not about, and the pitch isn't about me getting through the slides or anything else. It's supposed to be aligning to where you are. And if I, so I think too many people just come in and think it's about, can I deliver this message perfectly every time? And it has really nothing to do with it at the end of the day. I can fumble all over it, but if I'm on target with you and we're on the same playing ground, now all of a sudden it's a totally different conversation. So I dare to bet you, if you look back at those sessions where you're super frustrated with the pitch, it's because it's just going right by you. It's not, they're not aligned. Yeah, I'm with you, my man. How do you train your salespeople to get out of their own heads when they walk in the door? I mean, I don't know if you've ever watched The Office, right? It's a show <laughs> of course, that, right? British and U.S. Yes, <laughs> and it's nice, well done. I remember this one to where um, Jim and Dwight are going in to make this sale, right? And Dwight has this thing he does, you know. And it'd be cool if we could insert a clip on this too. But it, yeah. Dwight has this thing, and Jim looks over. He's like, or Dwight's like, "Go on in. I'll be there in five minutes." And it's the first time they've done this sales thing in a while together, a sales call in a while together. And he looks over, he's like, you'll still do this? And he goes, just go, Jim. And he gets out and he turns on classic rock music, dude. And he's like banging on the <laughs> steering wheel, you know, and doing all these head bangs and everything. And that was him getting himself psyched up for the sale. You yeah. Know? But it, I mean, that's awesome. And I think that's good. I mean, every time before I go on TV, before I go on any global media appearance, yeah. I'm always doing something. And before I go on stage, I'm jumping 10 times to get the, the thing flowing. I mean, look at freaking Tony Robbins, what he does, you know, yeah. like freaking gorilla war roars before he goes up on stage. That's all intentional and purposeful from sales though. How do you coach or, or insert a part of that to be like, okay, let's get out of my own head. So I don't walk in here with any preconceptions and sure. Sure. So you know, I'm, I'm not a believer that um, a salesperson just, you know, is, is transferable across all products, all things, meaning the skills are, but what comes through is, uh, is passion, right? So what you're doing when you're getting that energy pump and you're, you're doing the rest is getting up your confidence and you feel like you're coming in. Mm -hmm. Well, one, one way to, to do that also is just to, by default, only hire people who are passionate about the value you bring. I try to encourage the folks that look really, there's really two things you have to evaluate a company on when you're going to join us on this. Besides all these other tangential things, but um, do I believe in the value and mission of this organization? Because once the first shot's fired, all plans go away. And do we have a, a rallying point that we all believe in? And then do I believe I'm surrounded by people who can execute on that vision, right? Because you can have a great vision and mission, but be surrounded by clowns, right? And so do I believe and I can do that? Now, if you do that, if you have that, um, th there's a, an innate passion about what you're bringing. And what I try to explain to the reps is, is to get out of their own head is just be like, look, you already believe in what we're doing. You are holding on to something extremely valuable. You, the, this client is not doing you a favor by taking the call. And you're like, and you take, they, they take this kind of non-confident, you know, mealy mouth, you know, can I please have five minutes of your time? You know, let me possibly make you this pitch. Because you've already lost. You've already, because you've, you've now seated the ground that says they're doing you a favor by letting you come and, and present this. You have to be in the mindset that says, uh, I have the greatest secret. I have the greatest thing that you don't know about and you need to, and I'm going to come in and I'm going to explain to you why and you're going to thank me for it. Now you don't have a big ego about doing that, but if you feel that, look, I can't expect you, if, if I can't be passionate about it, I can't expect you to be passionate about it because I'm educating you about what it is. And so if you get that kind of mindset, then yeah, you come roaring into every meeting. It's like, I can't wait to tell you about this thing and what it's going to do transformatively for you and get more and more excited. And they will. Uh, but I think it doesn't matter how much music or anything else you'd play before that. If I don't believe that what I'm carrying is valuable, 
you can't fake that genuine nature of it, right? I mean, you're, the fact that you're empathetic, you'll see through me, right? You'll see like, oh, this guy doesn't even believe what he's saying. So I can be super pumped and, and you know, fake about it. But uh, that, that genuine nature of, of adding value is, from, from my folks, I think, what I, what I really like to focus on. I appreciate that, my man. Before we shift into some low-code yeah. stuff, I don't know if there's an, the reason there's the uptick in this or not, but I've been getting a lot of cold calls lately for capital, right? And <laughs> it's hilarious to me because there is no building of value right away and there's no transparency in the sales process either. You know, some it, depending on what mood I'm in, I'll indulge them for a little bit, yeah. you know? But it, uh, most of the time, it's like, if I pick up the phone, I'm like, Rick speaking, and then it'll be like, hey, Rick, it's Frank, how you doing? And I'm like... Frank, I don't know you. <laughs> right you know, or they'll just be like, "Hey, Rick, it's Joe." I'm like, Joe, I'm not expecting a call from Joe. So, Joe, where are you from? <laughs> you know, and then I start asking the questions to them, and it throws them off base. You know, it's pretty hilarious because yeah. they're just going through this blind script, this blind presentation from the get go. Yeah. You know, on this cold call, and it's like I know where they're going with it. It's like it's like, dude, you don't know that I train on this stuff. You know, this is, <laughs> this is not the approach. This is like you know, Wolf of Wall Street thirty years ago stuff, which those scripts still work, dude. I mean, yeah. they, they really do. You know, but it's it's not um it's not the type of close empathetic selling that we're talking about no it's not it, it, I, I, it, I, I admit I, I came from I mean, one of my uh my high school summer jobs i was a telemarketer and i was calling the angriest people known on the planet it was yeah. uh, i dating myself but it was i was calling people who had literally during the long distance telco wars who had just left uh, at&t to go to some other provider and trying to call and win them back over they left because they were pissed for a reason and you know so i had the binder full of complaints see if they hit a certain one i had to like flip to that page and computer dialing and all the rest um i, I do a similar thing by the way though uh, every once in a while if i'm in the mood i'll give them a coach on their script or they'll hit me with it and i'll say like, no that's terrible you can't do that and then i'll, I'll try to hit back uh, and uh, and then see where they see where they take it uh, but yeah that familiarity is just their, their trick to try to disarm you and get get by themselves in their 10 seconds they say you know joe who you know and then then they'll try to run right into their script for sure man another part of this too is i always say that you know quotes and proposals are where sales go to die you know it's a phrase that i've always said but i've gotten to these points with other vendors too when i've been the process and they'll start talking and be like, okay, how about I send you a quote? I'm like, dude, we're not there yet. We didn't yeah. even have a money conversation and I'm still not bought into that. This is the right choice for me yet. And then I start Super coaching him. I'm like, right? yeah. yeah. I'm like, give me 10 minutes with you. Okay. Then I start coaching him through his own sales process. <laughs> and then at the end of the sale, at the end of that 10 minutes of coaching, I'm like, I'm still interested as your prospect. I'm still interested, but what I need is to go through X, Y, and Z first. And then if I feel that it's right for me, the money is right. not going to really even be a thing, you know, because it, it you, job exactly, yeah. you know, because because I'm already bought into the value that this is going to give me out of the conversation we've had so far. If you can give me a ballpark range, cool, because yeah. money is an important part of any decision, of course, yeah, when it comes to absolutely. sales. If you can give me a ballpark range and then not break my trust by falling outside of that range to where I even th to where I think that it's too cheap and it's a, a poor yeah. quality solution because you're undervaluing yourself or you blow yeah. past it because you just tried to underquote me to get the, the freaking deal to begin with, I'm yeah. good. Just give me a ballpark and also 
a, that's the money conversation. Then step me through how this is going to change my life and my business because you know my needs at this point. Don't send me a quote. Yeah, I'll send you a quote. Yeah, like I'm going to freaking sign that. That was the best. You're ready like, to go. Let's, let's, get you in the sales co- let's get you on the sales coaching. You, you got, you got it down. Oh, man. I told that. It was great. I told the dude, like, we're not there yet, dude. Oh. <laughs> you <know? laughs> Why do you want to just send me a quote? That it was like awesome. It was, it was a fun that's, that's what he believed was the next step, right? Go for the, go for the clothes that they tell them and they, and they haven't, uh, they haven't earned it. There's a difference between budgetary guidance and trying to get a signed order. Right. And yeah. uh, now is this, I don't, I think that uh, part of this is only getting worse because of the, the, you know, SAS has unpacked a lot of greatness yeah. for us, but because of uh, it's, it's taken some areas to more transactional based, it's pretty much, you know, cutting, cutting down all of those conversations that you used to have uh, to really get that back and forth and dig into a, to a solution. For sure. Let's dive into that here real quick too, yeah. SAS. Cause I mean, you're in low code and no code, you know, what's your yeah. passion with that, man? You talked a lot about believing what you're doing. Oh, you know, why boy. do you believe so yeah. much in low code, and no code? Well, when I join an organization, I, I look for a couple of things. I, I want to be a part of big technological wave movements, and I want a message that cuts across the grain of, of what the, the, the herd is, is doing. So if you think about low code, no code, this is uh, for your audience who may not be familiar. Um, you use it all the time in your daily life, right? If, if during the pandemic, you got let go and you said, okay, I'm going to start my own website and drop ship and do all the rest. You don't have to be a coder. You could have gone online, downloaded all sorts of tools to, I'm going to have a website. I'm going to configure it. I'm going to put e-commerce into it. I'm going to do all this. And you never had to be a developer. That's an example of low code or your kids who are building, you know, games in Roblox or worlds in Minecraft. But in the business world, if you think about the technological shifts that we've we've done over the years, right? I mean, when I started selling, it was custom solutions, and you you got everything, everything oh, yeah. you wanted at a high high cost and a lot of change and pain. We said, okay, I don't want that anymore. So we went to off the shelf software. It's okay, I'm going to sacrifice. I don't get everything I want, maybe seventy percent, uh, but I get this industrial strength of, of an enterprise platform. It's not going to break on me. But now I got to align with you. There haven't been a big transformational shift, right? We went to SaaS. I just took your off the shelf and put it in the cloud, made it more transferable, or we went to manage service, same concepts. We haven't done anything to change the software de- delivery model in, uh, and, and think about this. We have, there's a 1.7 billion knowledge workers on the planet now. They're creating a demand for over 500 million applications. And there's only 25 million software developers in the world. The, the, the demand and supply don't match. And so the delivery model is broken and has to change. And that's where low code and no code come in. This, these are two markets that are essentially converging, but the, the concept being, there's no way for developers to keep up with that, that demand and to build in that fashion. And so it's creating a world where you get all the benefits of the, the prior pieces, right? I get all the benefit of being able to build and evolve what I need and want from a business user standpoint. I don't need to be a developer to do that. So I get all that custom built stuff, but it's built on industrial strength, you know, platform. So therefore you have all the, the enterprise class things And Oh, by the way, you can do it faster and less expensively because I'm not getting in the queue for this IT stuff. It doesn't allow, uh, I don't have to do all this change management. Um, so as a delivery model for software in the world, this uh, Gartner has projected uh, 65% of all business applications will be built in this fashion just in the next two to three years, which is tomorrow in, in technology. Yeah, right on. So that, that is uh, one of the things that gets me super passionate about it. This is the future of, of technology period. It's why you're going to hear it more and more as a buzz phrase. And the question is, do they actually do it? Or are they just now catching on to the latest, like I've got blockchain or I've got, you know, AI, uh, I'm low code or no code. That'll be the challenge I think is to now cut through that noise. 
Um, and then the, the other part that we really focus on, I guess me super passionate is on, on business processes. Uh, if I, if you think about how, uh, companies differentiate themselves, right? Why are two banks, two insurance companies, two airlines, why are they worth different values? Why do they have different brand loyalty and all the rest? It's not because they offer, those are commoditized products to a degree, right? It's a seat from A to B. It's a checking account. It's, it's an insurance thing, how they operate their processes internally and externally make all the difference. I mean, that's it. Do I have lower cost structures? Do I have, you know, faster turnaround of my planes? Do I have, are my employees empowered to do things with you and have a better interaction with you? You know, would you rather have an app to take a picture of your dented car and never talk to an insurance adjuster or have to wait for them to come out to your house and do all this? These are processes and the ability I think pandemic showed this, right? The ability to digitally transform. We've talked about that for years. Pandemic finally showed to people what it meant, right? It's not taking paper and putting it electronically or taking my server and putting it in the cloud. It's me saying to you, hey, you know, uh, I want you to hit your, your bank new client acquisition targets, but by the way, you can't open your branch. Okay, what do I do, right? You completely, now you have to transform. Well, so these business processes, the ability to do that quickly and effectively is what is going to allow companies to either be competitive and stay ahead uh, of everyone else or crumble and die. So who wouldn't want to be at the, the heart of that? I mean, th those things coming together, that, that had me sold. Man, that's incredible. You're, you're speaking to me very deeply right now, too, because I, I was looking at whether to go for with my roll-up play, right? 50 to 70 yeah. companies in the next two years. There's an application that I need right now because the differentiator, because I'm in a world of commoditized services, right? Mm -hmm. But I can charge a premium for what I do because of the people and the processes that are in place. And it makes all the difference in the world because everybody can use the same tools. Everybody can use the, yeah. sa the same applications, but it's the way that we deliver it and the process and how we bring uh, the customer along for that ride is the, all the difference in the world. So now just looking at it over the past couple of months, I'm like, you know, to make the integration strategy strategy go a lot easier. It'd be really cool if we had an, a, an application platform that helped us along these processes as we're integrating the people, the, the, the team members that we're going to inherit from these acquisitions, get them on a platform that guides them through the entire process and procedures that we have. Yeah. You know, and that's why I'm looking at the same thing, low code and no code, because it's not rocket science type stuff. You know, it's pulling data points and it's putting them into steps one through 27 on how to guide someone along this journey journey. You know, yeah. And that's something that can completely apply to this. You look at like, I don't want to spend a half a million dollars to develop this thing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, and in fact, it's or wait you know, two years, I'll be done with yeah. the roll up by that point, you know, in fact, your, your 27 steps will have changed by then too, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, once you've done that. So, well, we should talk after this, Rick. We, we can set you up. But, uh, but yeah, no, but, that, but that's exactly the point, right? Is, is how, do you, uh, how do you evolve quickly too, right? If the answer is, you know, I try to tell business leaders when I sit down with them, I say, look, how often does it happen, right? You're driving on the way and well, back when you drove to work, you're driving on the way to work, you have this brilliant idea, you call ahead, have everybody at the boardroom, you know, I've got this great idea. You get on the whiteboard, you map it all yeah. out. And all the hands go up with all the reasons why you can't, right? Uh, it's going to take too long, or we don't have the developers, or it's going to cost too much, or we, we have to shift priorities. The world now says, no, no, we have smart business people in the room. That's what I pay you for. Like, we should be able to do this. We have the idea. That's the key. That's the value. We should be able to deploy that. And get, you know, changing that dynamic is part of it is the low-code side and part of it is the business process side. If you bring those together and you do it in a fashion that allows the people who are close to the challenge yeah, yeah. to resolve it um, without having to translate to a developer. Now, developers can be a part of this too. I mean, they're not excluded from it, but they shouldn't be the, the gating factor. They've got other things that they, 
that they need to prioritize than every change that somebody in a business needs or wants to to make life you know better to your point get a premium for sure, brother. And uh, I'm hoping that my industry goes this way too, because my industry heavily, heavily relies on software tools. And yeah. the the challenge right now from delivering a cybersecurity is there, there's all these tools, and we call it a stack in this industry too. You know, and all these tools are also very, very much siloed. They don't talk to each other, and there's it's almost impossible to have this single pane of glass to get the job done. Which yeah. is why there's processes that need to be in place in order to make this more efficient. And it's, you know, it's not like the, the secret sauce isn't the secret sauce around your technology tools or the SaaS platform that you're on anymore. Your secret sauce is your people and your processes. That's what differentiates you. Yeah. Well, actually I spent many years in, in, in your universe as well, right? With, with InfoSec and security and cyber and all the rest. And so I'm I'm completely familiar with this and frankly, and different companies have different challenges. They they don't all have the same bandwidth to have one of every tool and they need tools that are going to do more than one thing. And that is such an evolving, uh, the landscape because wherever you know they're just plugging holes in in the you know in the, the water that keeps leaking um so there's uh, i completely agree with you i mean that's a it's a complex uh, world and challenge but it's an example of a, of a universe that has rapid change yeah for sure and it hasn't and hasn't your point adapted to how best to deal with it they just throw another you know, keep throwing another thing at it. Keep throwing another thing at it, and and uh, and you know, hoping you <laughs> have the right visibility. It's almost like uh, it's almost like police, right? You know, to where, where Glock comes out with a a brand new yeah. pistol, a brand new firearm. Like, oh, we gotta use this on the force. You know? But <laughs> that's the state of this industry right now, too, because there's these yeah. tools that are coming out. It's like you know, okay, well, I, you know, I. I know firearms too. I had a private security agency, you know, high value asset protection. I'm talking like physical people is the high value yeah, asset yeah. protection. So I know, you know, like Glock 19s is what everyone would carry because you could interchange the magazines and everything. But now, you know, you would, you would come, it's like, Oh, well, what about a Glock 17? It carries two more rounds. You know, I think everybody should shift that way. Or then it came to, you know, a, a private carrier concealed carry thing that added three more rounds instead of the, the seven you could have. Done. Like <laughs> it's a freaking firearm. It's a sidearm. You know, they're, they're all meant to do the same thing, you know, but everybody who was on my 130 person roster was like, oh, we got to use this. <laughs> but that's the nature of this industry, too, with cybersecurity is there's all these different tools that are coming out, man. And, you know, it's like, cool. Well, they're not they're coming up with the solutions and they're searching for the problem. <laughs> they're not well, that, asking the right questions. So yeah, no, that, that, that's 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 the risk of just general uh low code no code is the same thing right if i say i can do if i can do everything and i'm a solution in search of a problem then i'm really i'm all things to all people and i'm nothing to nobody at the same time and we're just kind of dumping it on the desk and i think in cyber you have the the additional challenge though why it uh there's this added pressure to to buy the thing because when the new thing comes out if you don't do it now you have to justify if something bad happens why you don't have that new thing like could you have had that too and would that have, have stopped this so there's a whole fear and certainty and doubt world of selling in in the cyber world that to your point of why you don't like negative selling that's a huge part of that that world right of you know justify to me why you're not going to have this thing and then when you don't something bad happens you know i've got the signature right here that says i showed you this and you said no um which is a, a totally different world and to your point if your protection folks are firing off the extra two rounds they went through the whole clip and two more you've probably done something wrong already before you got to that point and there's a yeah. bigger issue <laughs> as to whether you had two more rounds or not you got it exactly or whether you had five more <laughs> software tools in your belt as a cybersecurity provider you know why yeah. do you even have to 
to get to that point to begin with. You know, there's probably things you could have done from a human standpoint, a, a process and procedure standpoint. You know, oh, that's the biggest gap. Yeah, it is. You got it, Very man. Cool. <laughs> this has been an amazing conversation, brother. I appreciate. I really you. appreciate it. Yeah, creatio.com. C r e a t i o.com. This is something that Andy is amazingly passionate about. You can look up Andy too. Andy Zambito on LinkedIn. You can find him. He just backslash in black backslash Andy Zambito. Brother, thank you. I've enjoyed this oh, this morning. You. Yeah. Yeah, me as well. Really appreciate the time and, and uh, the audience participation here. So let's uh, do it again. Bingo. Bingo.